the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The gospel is about transformation. The gospel didn't say, when you preach the gospel, you're correcting the issues of the past. How long have we been fighting for these issues? We've been fighting for them forever. Unless the heart is transformed, issues will never be corrected. These this problems that we're having here today, unless God changes and transforms the heart of a person, we will be having this 50 years from now. Same thing. Nothing will change because God says, I transform. Don't even try to correct. If the heart is transformed, correction will come. Amen? That's how the gospel works. Jesus says, before you point the speck on your brother's eye. No, I didn't understand this before. Before you pull out the speck on your brother's eye, make sure you pull out the log in your own eye. You're looking at that speck of dust in your brother's eye, but you have a telephone pole right on your eye. What does he mean by that? It says, unless you are redeemed, unless you are transformed from the inside, you cannot be an agent of redemption to somebody else. That's why Jesus is the perfect Savior. He died on the cross because he was perfect. And we can trust him to be our Savior. We can trust him to transform our lives. That's what the gospel is. And, and all of these social gospels, all of these gospels that are, that are thriving out of good works, God is saying, no, no. Unless I transform your heart, you cannot serve Jesus. When you and I serve Jesus, and we, you and I venture on to make sure that one heart is transformed, one heart at a time, then things will change. That's when societal change can happen. It's called a revival. How do I know that a city is in a revival? The divorce rates go down. All right? Crime goes down. All right? Cheating goes down. That's how you know there's revival in the land. The heart is being transformed. So when people say, well, you know, we're having revival at church. We're having this. We're having that. How do you know you're having revival? How do you know the presence of God is in the church? You know, there's a lot of people that are really moving forward, moving up, advancing their lives for the glory of God. That's how we know. You know, there's a, a, a you know, they're they talking about a, a revival happening in the city, and you're saying that, the, that God is moving in a city. How do you know God is moving in a city? Uh, when crimes go down, when suicide rates go down, when abortions go down. That's how you know. That's how I know. Because the presence of God is experienced through that perfecting process. We can fight for any cause that we want. Name your cause. You can fight till you're blue in the face. But unless the heart is transformed, nothing will ever happen. Now, this thing called holiness, it's a communicable attribute of God. 
When I say communicable, I simply mean that God says, go ahead. I am holy, you can be holy. God allows us to copy that attribute. There are certain things that God says we are allowed to copy from Him. One of them is holiness. One of them, another one is, you know, being kind. Another is being, you know, generous. These are attributes of God that, sa that He says we can copy. Uh, don't try to copy Jesus walking on water. You're not allowed to do that. Don't jump off a cliff and say, oh, I'm following Jesus, I'm jumping off a cliff, and God will, and His angels will pull me out. No, you're going to see Jesus face to face. That's what's going to happen. All right? So, so don't, don't, don't try these things, okay? But God says, I have certain attributes that I want you to copy. Jesus says, be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. So you and I are free to copy that. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. You know, that's a sign that God is present. Look at the verse again. His divine power has given us everything we need for our what? For a godly life. So what is perfection? Perfection simply means we have the ability to live a godly life. And Jesus promises that we can do it. Guess what? We certainly can. The first sign that God has really revealed himself to us as a, as a Christian is that there's that move towards being separated from the world. There's that hunger and thirst for truth. Do you do, you do that in the quiet moments of your life? Do you have that hunger for rightness and for, for truth? You know, when you pray, do some self-examination like I do. You know, none of us are perfect in this room, so we need to do some self-examination, right? And one of the things that, that we need to do in order to discern the presence of God is, is to measure how much we long for rightness. You know, you turn on the TV and you're seeing all of the things that are going on, all of the bad things that are going on. The first impression in your heart should be, there's got to be something that can right the wrongs that are going on, right? There's got to be something right. That longing is the voice of the Holy Spirit saying to you, keep on longing for that rightness. Keep on longing for that truth. That's the cry of every soul of a Christian. Every single one of us are crying for us, crying for that because we're living in a broken world. And we, need, we know that, the pre that God is present when there's that inkling in the inside that says, one day things will be made right. But until then, I'm going to live a godly life. We have that longing in the inside of us for a perfect world. Right? For a perfect world. A perfect world will not come until the divine ultimately invades the temporal. Until then, we have to live holy lives. That life that God says we ought to live and it's going to be realized in the coming kingdom. To be perfect means to have the ability to live a godly life in a broken world. That's why Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
I've always had trouble with that verse. <laughs> Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Why did Jesus say that in the first place? Now, let me read to you the context. Give me these few minutes to offer the context of why Jesus said that. The context of that passage, it's in, it's in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, by the way. The context of that statement is found on verse 43. Okay? Jesus said, You've heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are, you not, are, you, are, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus is saying to be perfect, is not to copy the righteousness of the world, but to separate from it. Do not do things in the flesh. Do not fight for something and say, okay, well, you know, this is the right fight. No, first recognize that the heart has to be changed, that you're not copying the righteousness of the world, that I'm not copying the righteousness of the world. We need to, ad don't address the issues address the human heart when you address the human heart the issues will fall into place how do we create a perfect world transforming one heart at a time we need to share the gospel one person at a time that's the commandment one perfect heart at a time transform the heart then the issues will be corrected. Now, there's a second way that we can discern God's presence and His involvement, and that is God projects His precepts on a single promise. God projects His precepts on a single promise. Okay, look at the second portion of that verse again. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us what are god's precepts very simply put god's precepts are his commandments his commandments god's presence in our lives is always accompanied by our awareness of his commandments that's the work of the Spirit of God. That's how you know the Holy Spirit of God is working in you and I. There is that awareness of the Word of Christ. That you know what Jesus said. You know that sticker that says, what would Jesus do? I, you know, I'm, I'm sick of reading it, but it's really true. You know, we have that awareness. We have that, that not, 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 not so much hunger, but we have that inkling that the Spirit of God is saying to us, this is the way, walk in it. This is Jesus' words. Those of you who, who grew up in a very strict home, uh, like I did, you know very well the power of parental authority. You just did what your parents told you to do. You just obeyed what was commanded. Why? Because you simply trusted your parents. 
or parent. You just submitted to these to them regardless of whether that they whether they can be trusted or not. You just automatically assume and trust them. Why? Because their authority, their commandment is designed to do two things. To affect and shape our thoughts and behavior to accomplish a specific goal. That's the purpose of a command. To shape and impact our thoughts and our behaviors to accomplish a goal. What is God's goal for our lives? What is the goal of God's commands and precepts? Only one goal. He projects his precepts in one specific goal. And that goal is to conform us to the image of his son. How do we know God is present? We are growing in the knowledge of God's precepts and the commandments of his word. The presence of God is always accompanied by an intense desire to obey the commands of God, of Christ. For what purpose? To conform us, to mold us, to shape us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. The process of conformity is a lifelong goal. You know the day you became a Christian? That becomes a singular goal in your life and mine. Did you know that the rest of your life after you become a Christian? The rest of your life, the rest of my life, will be given to that con the process of conformity. That's why we're moving. That's why we're growing in spiritual maturity. That's why God is moving us from glory to glory from faith to faith he's advancing our lives towards heaven because we are being conformed to the likeness of his son jesus now don't be scared about being conformed to the likeness of jesus it simply means that we know his word it simply means that we meditate upon his word and we obey his commandments that's what it means to be conformed to the likeness of jesus this is a lifelong process i don't believe that a christian can confess to having a Christian faith and stay where they are. We move forward. We grow in our knowledge of Jesus. We don't get stuck. When we get stuck, we dig our way out by the help of the Spirit of God. The only way we can project our love for God is to be continually transformed in the likeness of Jesus. The deeper we know Jesus, the deeper our love for God becomes. Loved ones, we should never ever say, I cannot ever love God. Because we absolutely can. Now, a lot of Christians are afraid to say they love God. You know, they think, I just cannot live up to it. You know, God is so high and mighty and all of that. And, and for me to say, I love God, that's a tall order. You know, there's a lot of things in my life that, are, you know, that will not be consistent of what I would say when I say I love God, but God says you can love me. It's possible because I'm in the process of conforming you. You're not doing this Christian life alone, loved ones. You're not alone. I'm not alone. He sent us the Holy Spirit for the specific purpose of making sure that our love for God grows. Okay? God is not some kind of a heavenly entity because we don't see him, we can't love him. That's not true. Don't ever say that you cannot love God because we absolutely can. 
Jesus did. Jesus was the unique son of God. You know, there was that, that the technical term for it was that, that hypostatic union, fully God and fully man. He's the only one of his kind. There was never anybody like him. He was completely and fully God, but he came to this world completely and fully human. And everything he did, he did out of his love and obedience to his Father. And if Jesus can do that, so can we. And that's exactly what God says, I'm going to take you through. That's the conformity process. All of us are going through that. So when you're being conformed to the likeness of Jesus, loved ones, let me tell you something. You know that the Lord is present. Amen? You know that he's alive within you. That's what the Spirit of God is trying to accomplish in each and every person in this room. We're not just being perfected. We're also being projected. You know, we are being projected. You know, people are not going to, People are not going to know who Jesus is unless they see Jesus in us. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. First John 2, 4 to 6, he said this. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them or made perfect in them this is how we know we are in him whoever claims to live in him must live as jesus did doesn't get any clearer than that that's the conformity process jesus is in heaven right now he's not here in the flesh okay now don't listen to people when they say well you know i just jesus i just saw jesus you saw something, but it's not Jesus. Jesus is in heaven, seated on the throne. Okay? He has been physically absent on the earth for 2,020 years. Okay? That's a fact. Okay? The Holy Spirit is in our midst. Okay? The church is on the earth. How do people know? that Jesus is alive, it's through the Spirit-filled church. One day, Jesus is coming back. That's a fact, too. The Scripture says Jesus is going to come back. He's going to come back for His church. Jesus is not going to come back for the world. Jesus is going to come back for His church. Once He does that, He's going to deal with with the world okay he's going to deal with it but he's not no longer going to deal with the church because he's already come came back for them at that time okay he will deal with humanity and he will judge it according to his righteousness do you have that righteousness this morning do you have the righteousness of god in christ that's what we need to answer this morning there's a final way to discern that god is truly at work in our life and that is god's first priority is to proclaim the praises his praises and his purpose god's first priority is to proclaim his praises and his purpose okay look at the the final portion of the verse his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him 
who called us by his own glory and goodness. Contrary to what we often try to justify, God's priority in getting involved in our life is not us. It's himself. Why does God involve himself? Why does God involve himself in our lives? It's not for our benefit. It's for the glory of his name. His priority is to advance his glory and to reveal his own goodness in ways that will honor his own name. Okay? I, I, and I hope we, we, we think about that for a moment. You know, we often think that, you know, God exists for me. You know, God exists to meet my needs. Uh, God exists to explain to me the things that are going on. God ex is here to answer or explain to me every question that plagues me. We simply say to ourselves, just, you know, God is going to be there for me because he exists for me. But his priority is advancing his glory. And I'm going to say it soberly. It's time for us to recognize that in our lives. Max Lucado, and I always quote Max Lucado on this. He says, the almighty priority of the almighty is the almighty. You know, that's very true. God's purpose for revealing his presence in our lives has to do with magnifying his own name. With glorifying his own name. All right? And so, God has always been interested in his glory and praises to his name. You know where we stumble in our faith? Where we stumble in our hope is sometimes when we think God exists exclusively to meet our needs, to bail us out, to get us out of trouble, to answer questions like I said, to make us feel better, to guide us in and through life. Now, God loves us. There's no doubt about that. His grace is bountiful. His mercies endure forever. There's no mistaking that that is true. But no, make no mistake about this. He's interested primarily in honoring his own name in our lives. He's not doing it because he's capricious. He's not doing it because he's egotistical. He's not doing it because he's selfish. He's not doing it because he's self-absorbed. He's doing it because he is God and there's no one like him. You and I, as godly as we try to be, as holy as I try to be, my godliness is sometimes still tainted by idolatry. And that's a confession. Uh, as, 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 <laughs> as godly as I try to be, okay, I still get tempted to think that God exists exclusively to attend to my needs. That's a form of idolatry. Not because it isn't true. Okay? God does care about our needs. God does want to bless us. He does want to perform His mighty acts and deeds in our lives. But when it becomes a problem is when we think that God exists solely for the purpose of meeting all of those things and requirements that we have. It's a form of idolatry that we need to abandon. As godly as I want to be, as, as holy as I try to be, my godliness is still sometimes tainted by that 
form of idolatry. I still think sometimes that God exists for me. That's one of the things that we need to remove from our lives. Here's how Isaiah put it. Isaiah 42.8. He says, God says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not yield my glory to another or praise to idols. We know God is involved in our lives. The moment we get past ourselves and begin to hope in Him in ways that we've never done be before. Even the miracles that Jesus performed in this world, although they benefited people, they were done to give glory and honor to God. When you and I notice the changes in our lives, the growth in our faith, it's a sign that God is perfecting us. When we notice more and more of Jesus in our life, more and more hunger for the words of Christ, more and more eagerness to glorify God, whatever's going on, then these are signs that God is truly present in our lives.